0: Let me adjust this from Jared's size to Lenny's size. (laughs) You could have got stuck with any pastor. And with the exception of his football team, you got stuck with one of the best possible shepherd, leader, preachers that there is in the Wesleyan Church when you got stuck with Pastor Chris. So I know you appreciate him. Yeah, clap it up. I was praying with you long and hard that God would lead the right shepherd for such a time as this, and, and he led Pastor Chris and Marita and the kids here, and so uh, you got a gift. I know you know that, and again, with the exception of his football team, uh, he's a great, great, great guy. One of, the, one of the silver linings that came out of COVID-19 for me in a horrific year, obviously, is that I did not have to physically stand in front of you and say goodbye, um, I really do hate goodbyes. My last sermon as your interim lead pastor was April 26th, and with the exception of the staff, none of you were here. And for me, that was good, actually. I, I hate goodbyes. They're hard for me. And uh, I, view, I view goodbyes much like I view trips to the dentist or to Walmart on the eve of a holiday. <laughs> you know, Necessary but miserable. And so a few months ago when Pastor Chris told me he was planning to have me come back when the smoke clears and say goodbye, uh, my immediate response was, no thanks, not necessary. But here I am, and I'm glad I'm here with a chance to say goodbye to a congregation that Amy, the kids, and I have come to love and cherish and appreciate. Uh, You are beautiful, beautiful people. And uh, to be honest, and truth be told, every church we've ever attended or served, we have loved. <laughs> but some churches are easier to love than others. <laughs> and you, Lakeview Wesleyan Church, are lovable. You just are. And really, I should be thanking you. I should be having a party in the foyer for you, getting cake for you, because you were a gift to us But since I'm only working one job now, I can't afford the cake, so (laughs) thanks for that. Enough of the warm, sappy stuff. Let's get to the sermon. Uh, My text this morning is not a very sappy text. It was assigned to me by the pastoral staff. I can see Pastor Chris and Pastor Jared and Pastor Jessica sitting around trying to divvy up Ephesians. And they come to chapter 5, and, it's, and it's got, it has to do with sexual immorality and obscenity and coarse joking and foolishness and being drunk with wine and being exposed. And they're like, who can preach on chapter 5? I know. Let's have Lenny come back and preach that chapter. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I mean, of all the beautiful passages in Ephesians... A beautiful letter, the one I get stuck with is the one dealing with foolishness and immorality and being exposed. <laughs> Thanks. Since we're talking about exposure, let's discuss photography. How many of you have someone in your network of friends or family members who thinks that every moment is a photo op? Anybody? Anybody? A photo op is when unique people and circumstances come together in a way that warrants a picture, a a photo. Now, for me, this happens once every few months, photo op. For my wife, Amy, it happens every day. (laughs) The kids fall asleep in the back of the car, photo op. Mabel, our cat, is cuddling with her cute mouse toy, photo op. There's a new wall hanging, photo op. A new coffee mug, photo op. There's a piece of food hanging from our dog, Henry's lower lip, photo op. Fact, uh, let's show this picture. This is is us taking advantage of a photo op, of Amy taking advantage of a photo op. Is that up there on the, it's not there? Oh, okay, well, never mind. But we have a picture of Amy taking a picture of a flower as a photo op. There it is. That's Amy taking a picture of a flower, a flower as a photo op. And so we took advantage of the photo op. (laughs) After today's sermon, Amy, my wife, will have license from the Apostle Paul, actually, to continue her reckless behavior. (laughs) Because in Ephesians 5, Paul basically implores the church to make the most of every photo op. He implores the church then and now, showing us that we have this remarkable divine moment to make something beautiful in the dark room of this day. It's a photo op. Really, the heart of this passage, Ephesians 5 1 to 20, is verse 8. It's, it's where Paul presents a before and after picture for the Ephesians. He says, Here's the before picture. You were once darkness before Christ. Here's the after picture. But now you are light in the Lord. Live like it. And then he describes the before Christ picture and the after Christ picture. The before picture is uh, described in verses three and four. So in in verse three, uh, Paul tells the Ephesians that uh, to avoid sexual darkness. The before picture. It talks about sexual immorality. The Greek word is pornos, from which we get pornography. Now, they didn't have smartphones back then, back in the first century Greco Roman world, so the way that they experienced pornography was actually going to the pagan temple and seeing prostitutes there engaging in immorality or participating with them in the sexual immorality. Paul says, don't do that anymore. That was your past. That's the before picture. And then he talks about impurity. Don't do that. That's that's love tainted by lust. It's impure. And then after that, he talks about, in verse 4, greed. Greed. Greed is wanting what is not yours, wanting something that you do not have. It's in this context, it's not about financial greed, it's about sexual greed. Paul says that's not who you are anymore. Don't do that. Avoid sexual darkness. That's a reflection of your past. Now some of us right now are feeling pretty good because we don't struggle with pornography. Uh, We're very happy if we're married with our spouse. We don't want what is not ours. We're not greedy. So we're ready to pat ourselves on the back until Paul gets to verse 4. And he talks not about sexual darkness but about verbal darkness. He's got another list of three. (laughs) Don't engage in dark deeds of the mouth. Obscenity. Filthy talk that would make a sailor blush. Don't engage in foolish talk. Another example of verbal darkness. Foolish talk is basically wasting words. It's buffoonery. It's it's words that come from a dull mind that has lost touch with reality. Have you scrolled through through Facebook recently? (laughs) And then there's coarse joking, which Paul condemns course joking is is using your wit in a harsh cutting way or it's another translation is, is levity it's actually uh, making light of the sexual dark deeds with verbal darkness it's making light of it all and Paul says this all represents your your dark past avoid sexual darkness. Avoid verbal darkness. That's not who you are anymore. You were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And again, he gives a list of three. Here are three do's to go with the three sexual don'ts and the three verbal don'ts. Here are three do's. Uh, He says, you're light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Um, And here is the fruit of light. Three times he uses the word light, by the way, in this verse. That's significant. Whenever a biblical author uses the same word three times in one sentence, it's it's his way of shouting, significant! And the Greek word for light used three times is photos, from which we get the word photography. The fruit of light, again, three do's. Goodness, righteousness, truth. Goodness is, uh, has this uh, uh, idea of benevolence, kindness, generosity. That's how you live as light. Be good. I think of E.T. in the 80s. Be good. As Paul saying be good. Righteousness has this idea of justice, equity, giving to God and others what is due to them. And then there's truth. This is not so much about words of truth, speaking the truth. It's actually about being the truth. It's about having integrity. It's about avoiding duplicity. It's about being the same person no matter who you're with and what's going on around you. It's the same person at church as you are at Walmart or on the golf course. That's what it means. It's being true, it's being a thermostat and not a thermometer. A thermostat determines the climate in the room. A thermometer adjusts to the climate. Paul saying, "Be a thermostat." That is what you were. This is what you are. Be light. I don't know much about photography, and those of you who do, keep it to yourselves. Okay. Here's what I do know. Here are some photography basics. Light comes in through a camera's aperture and hits the dark negative film to create a bright positive image. And the more light that comes into the aperture of the camera, the brighter the image will be. I think the bottom line of Ephesians 5 and really the whole Ephesian letter, what Paul is saying is this, when the light of Christ's love comes in through the aperture of your heart and hits the dark film of your past, the old is gone, behold, all things become new. I think what Paul is saying here is when the light of Christ's love comes in, you should have a drastic before and after picture. The longer you walk with Christ in the light of his love, the more drastic the difference should be, I think Paul is saying, between the before Christ dark picture of your past and the bright after Christ picture of your present. That's what I think he's saying. Well, Paul is a list person. Uh, how, how many of you are list people? like lists, okay. Uh, he likes threes, too. So he's got photos, used three, the word for light used three times, and then he has three sexual don'ts, and he has a list of three verbal don'ts, and then he has a list of three virtuous do's. He loves three, Good enough for God, good enough for him, I guess he thinks, right? But we're Americans, and we like liberty, and we like freedom, and we don't like anybody giving us the list of do's and don'ts that we ourselves did not devise. So when we come across a list from somebody else, even Paul, we tend to get our feathers ruffled a bit. Until we realize that every relationship is governed by do's and don'ts, yes? I mean, t- take friendship for example. There are do's and don'ts in friendship, whether explicitly stated or not. You don't steal your friend's cell phone, you don't reveal your friend's secrets, you don't gossip about your friends, you don't lie to your friends. If your friend asks you if the pants make her look frumpy, you tell her the truth. If your friends have a bat in the cave, a cliffer in the nostril, you tell them. If there's a big ball of earwax sticking out of their ear because you're their friend, you tell them, yes? Friends don't let friends walk around with earwax hanging out of their ear. But we don't like the list. There's do's and don'ts in every relationship, especially relationship with God. Now, I've realized that sometimes a list of do's and don'ts can lead us to legalism. That was the problem for Jewish Christians. Jewish Christians were uh, legalists a lot of times. Talk about a list. I mean, they didn't have three, they had a long list of do's and don'ts 613 laws that they tried to keep perfectly. That's quite a list. And depending on the day, that led them to either self righteousness or shame. Jewish legalism was a problem in the first century when Paul wrote this letter. But then there was the other extreme Gentile libertinism. The libertines, the Gentiles, they didn't want any do's and don'ts, they had none. You can do what you want, when you want to do it, regardless of what it does to you or anyone around you. It doesn't matter. You just do what makes you feel good. And that was the other extreme. Jewish legalism was all about uh, being driven by pride. Do what makes you look good. Gentile libertinism was all about being driven by pleasure. Do what makes you feel good. Neither will get you to where you want to be in Christ. Beyond Jewish legalism, beyond Gentile libertinism, which is the backdrop of the New Testament world, there is Christian love. This is why Paul begins chapter 5 focused on love. He wants us to view the do's and don'ts through the camera lens of love. Look at what he writes in verses 1 and 2. Dearly loved child, as dearly loved children, follow the example of God. Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. How many times does Paul use the word love? <laughs> Three times. The Greek word is agape. It's the purest, most beautiful, most intense kind of love. Love, not legalism, libertinism. Love must drive us to avoid the don'ts, and do the do's. Adopt the do's. Why? So that we can live well-lit lives of love. Why? So that we can expose the deeds of darkness. Look at verses uh, 12 and uh, 13, actually 11 starting with 11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Everything illuminated becomes a light. Now, when I first read this, again, exposure. Here's Paul again using another photography term long before photography even existed. (laughs) Weird, isn't it? Exposure, double exposure. It's a word used twice. Actually, deviates from three. Uses it twice. Exposed. When I first read this, I thought what Paul was admonishing me to do was to put my captain conviction cape on and go confront anybody living in darkness. Here I come to save the day, you know. But that's a wrong reading of this passage, actually. No. Paul is calling us to expose dark deeds, not to shame people, but to save people. Not to, not to offer our opinions, but to offer our example. I think what Paul is saying is when you open up the aperture of your heart wide to the light of Christ's love, his light will hit the dark film of your life and and create the image of goodness, righteousness, and truth in a way that actually exposes darkness and draws people stuck in darkness into his marvelous, wonderful light. Again, not to shame people stuck in darkness, but to save them. Because let's remember, all of us were once there. And on our worst days, we have one foot in the darkness too. I remember uh, with living with two feet in the darkness. And I met a guy named Rich Rockhind, a Christian, who was so full of love, so full of joy and gratitude. And he loved me unconditionally. He didn't thump me over the head with Bible verses trying to show me how bad I was doing in life. I knew it. He knew I knew it. But it was his goodness and his righteousness and his truth that drew me out of darkness into the light of Christ's love. And here I am. And then I remember as a new Christian, baby Christian, in the first Wesleyan church I attended. Uh, I was living with one foot, trying to live with one foot in the darkness, one foot in the light. And that never works because it splits you in two. It hurts. <laughs> and I met Grace Wilcox, a woman in her 70s. I don't think she ever said more than five words to me. But she did say, I'm praying for you. And she prayed for me every day. And her quiet, loving, gentle example of goodness, righteousness, and truth drew me out of my darkness and into Christ's marvelous light. And that's always been the mission of God. Exposing the darkness of our lives in ways that draw us into the light so that we can live as children of light in the dark room of this day and draw more people out of darkness into his light. It's it's the circle. (laughs) But every time we Christians go back to the dark deeds of our past, sexual darkness, verbal darkness, whatever kind of darkness, we lose our luminosity and someone somewhere is left in the dark. Every time we engage in sexual darkness, we lose our luminosity and someone somewhere is left in the dark. Every time we engage in the dark deeds, verbal dark deeds of the mouth with coarse joking or sexist or racist jokes or harsh political put-downs and fighting on Facebook. Every time we do that, we lose our luminosity and someone somewhere is left in the dark. Again, the world does not need our opinions. It needs our example. You were once darkness, but now you are light. Live like it. Why? Because right now, you have a photo op like the church has never seen, at least for a long time. Paul puts it this way in verse 16. Make the most of every photo op. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Another translation says, uh, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time. The, the word for time is kairos. It's, it's a divine, once in a blue moon, opportunity to do something of significance. It's, it's, an, it's an opportunity that comes around every so often. It's a divine moment that you've got to seize here and now because it will pass and you'll lose it and you'll miss it. Make the most of this opportunity, redeem the time. So here we are, church. We're in the midst of a political, politically volatile election. Every four years we experience this. This is probably the worst it's ever been. <laughs> There are protests and riots and injustice and looting like we only see once every 40 years, once every generation. There is this horrific pandemic that comes around every century, every 100 years or so, something like this, but never this mysterious. There is economic anxiety like we've never experienced since the Great Depression. This is a perfect storm, really, a a horrible, horrible context right now. It's really terrible. It really, really is. But, but, it's the perfect photo op or photos op for the church to stand up and be light in the midst of darkness, not by arguing and being right, but by living with goodness, righteousness, and truth. Don't miss the moment, church, is what I'm saying. If I, if, I could, if I could, like, stand on my head or do cartwheels and spit nickels, I would just to sort of get this ingrained in us. In the first century of the church, uh, they experienced horrific persecution. And it was dark. It was a dark room, for sure. But the church, instead of just caving to the darkness or embodying the darkness, decided to live as light and God used that first century persecution as a photosop that drew people into the kingdom. And what God did with persecution in the first century, he can do with this pandemic in the 21st century if the church lets him through the aperture of our heart to create goodness, righteousness, and truth on the dark film. So here's, here's the application. Here's the, here's the Kairos application for us right now because this opportunity won't come again. Uh, Goodness. Be generous with your time, talent, and treasure. In a world of stingy greediness, lines in the sand everywhere, be generous. Give your time, talents, and treasure, and you will light up this dark world. Righteousness. Be a voice for equity and justice for all. Find someone who's marginalized or a group that is marginalized. For me, it's pastors, actually. And and, and just come alongside, be an advocate, defend the defenseless, be a voice for the voiceless. And then third, be true. This is a hard one. Find a confessor an accountability partner, a brother or sister in the Lord, a pastor, or a counselor, and confess to that person the darkness that sometimes wells up in you from your past. Because if you don't choose self-exposure, you'll experience public exposure. Many Christian leaders have. So meet with someone on a regular basis to confess the darkness that's starting to well up in you so that God, through another person, can, um, can um, uh, remediate it, remove it, and make you light up the world. Three things. I don't know about you, but I am so sick and tired of seeing dark, negative images. Are you? People fighting with each other, kicking each other while they're down, looting and injustice, uh, Graphics of coronavirus statistics, political put-downs on Facebook. I mean, let's, listen, it's okay to have a political opinion. All of us do. I know I do. But if we are known more for our allegiance to our political party than for our allegiance to Christ, something is seriously wrong. So let's, let's be known more for our allegiance to Christ. Let's have our opinion. That's okay. But what the world needs, again, I said it three times now, intentionally, like Paul, three times, The world does not need our opinion, it needs our example. No more dark images. (laughs) Let's see more positive images. The world needs goodness, righteousness, and truth. Lakeview Wesleyan Church, you are a beautiful church. You have lit the way for me uh, more than once, many of you. When I came to pastor this church, I was, truth be told, I wasn't in darkness, but I was stale. Being with you together, serving the purposes of Christ, worshiping Christ with you, raised me from death to life, honestly. I owe you a cake, like I said. I won't bake it, Amy will. (laughs) You have a great opportunity, Lakeview, in this season, the next year. Let Christ in through the aperture of your heart and produce an image that is good and right and true and you will light up Grant County. Paul, let Paul say it. He says it better. Once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live like it. Apostle Peter, you are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people chosen by God to declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Photos. The Apostle John as if he needed more. If we walk in the photos, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of his son purifies us from all unrighteousness. Let's let Jesus get the last word. Jesus says it this way, you Are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. So it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Lakeview Wesleyan Church, live well lit lives of love. That's the message. I want to pray for you as I close. I'm not big on sort of guilty, manipulative sort of calls of response because I know that God's working in hearts, even if I can't see it. But if you just want to just stand up, make yourself accountable to Father, Son, and Spirit, that community, but also to this community, and say, I am going to open up in this season, this once-in-a-lifetime Kairos moment, I'm going to open up the aperture of my heart wide so that the light of Christ's love can come in and produce goodness, righteousness, and truth and make me a light to those in darkness. Would you just stand up so I can pray for you if that's your commitment? That will mean spiritual disciplines like prayer and Bible study and service, whatever, whatever context will put you in a place to open up the aperture of your heart to the light of Christ. The world... Doesn't need the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. The world right now needs the church. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for lighting our way. Thank you for calling us out of the darkness of addiction or despair or depression, lifeless living, into your marvelous, wonderful light, giving us hope when we had none, giving us a sense of peace and purpose. Oh, Lord, would you enable us to not get so cloistered but to live well-lit lives of love among those outside of the walls of this church even, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, neighborhoods, so that every single person in Grant County comes into a saving, life-giving, eternal friendship with you through Jesus Christ, your son. In his name we pray and the people of God said, amen, amen. Amen. You may be seated.